Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Offload Delay Podcast, a podcast for first responders and for all those who are curious about what we do and see day in, day out in our line of work. Uh, today, really special guest um, and a friend, colleague, worked alongside this gentleman for a long time. We're going to call him Brad as well. It's pretty easy to remember that one. Um, been a police officer in the province of Ontario, specifically southeastern Ontario, for many years, as long as I've been in emergency services anyway. So we'll have Brad introduce himself here shortly and discuss his uh, his history. Uh, we're all involved in our line of work with calls that could change our lives on any given day. But um, Brad had a particular call in 2004 where he was called to to end someone else's life as part of his line of work. And um, just the story behind this is remarkable. Shows the true nature of police work, not only in our province, but pretty much everywhere in the, uh, in the world, especially in North America, where the risks are tremendously high and the toll it can pay, um, that's paid by these responders is, is just as high, if not higher. So let me bring in Brad. Um, introduce you there's Brad Brad welcome hey to you I uh, I'm really glad that you could join and you're willing to share your story today I know we have a lot of stories Uh, we could go on and on and on but this one in particular is a story about you uh, doing your job as well as anyone can do that job Uh, I'm just gonna reiterate now you're a sergeant with a police force in southern Ontario and you have been for how long, Brad? Uh, well, I've been a sergeant for uh, three three years, and uh, I started uh, in policing in uh, two thousand. Okay, so we're we're well over twenty years in emergency services, and um, I know throughout that time you've held several roles. Uh, you had a long stint in the traffic services. Yeah, I started uh, started in the traffic world um, uh, kind of in two thousand and three when I uh, started being a breath tech. Uh, uh, and then um, took the TCI course, the collision investigation course in uh, 2006, and, um, and then worked, uh, uh, worked in a full-time traffic unit for 11 years from 2010 until uh, uh, February this year when uh, I switched over to, uh, to managing the platoon. So, uh, yeah, 10, 
10 full 10 years full-time uh, as a uh, as a traffic guy and and i've been doing it for about 18 of my uh, 20 years and over those years uh, we we know there's been hundreds of calls um, some minor and some very much not minor yeah and we know there's been uh, some tolls taken on yourself your family your your personal mental well-being that you've had to to manage uh, through certain instances and this this pod today will focus on the call in in june of 2004 yeah june 18th um so i'm gonna let I, you tell the story and yeah, i'm gonna zoom out here yeah it's a uh, it, it's a good one to uh tear um because it's a bit of a it's a bit of a story so it's june 18th uh, 2004 and um, i'm working a shift uh, for a co-worker who needed the night off um and it involves a, um, a man named Curtis. And uh, we had uh, uh, some dealings, Curtis and I, uh, uh, leading up to that night uh, in the spring of 2004 that led to him being on some conditions. Um, and one of them was not to consume alcohol. Um, and uh, that evening, uh, I was heading up uh, Highway 37 uh, to write uh, some traffic tickets. And uh, I got a call that Curtis was um, at a bar in downtown Belleville and was um, in violation of his alcohol conditions by being at that bar. So um, I made my way down uh, for the purpose of uh, affecting Curtis's arrest for, uh, for breaching. And um, when I got there, I learned that uh, he had uh, fled uh, before we got there and was, uh, um, uh, had been consuming alcohol. So I formed my grounds that uh, he was good to be arrested for, for street and uh, taking a look to see if I could see uh, Curtis. And uh, I did see him. I saw him uh, crossing uh, the street, uh, going into another bar. And uh, I parked my car and uh, went after uh, Curtis. And we had a, a brief foot chase and um, uh, ended up in an alleyway um, in our downtown. And uh, I caught up to Curtis. And um, I reached out and, uh, and took him by uh, his shoulder and told him he was under arrest. And uh, he kind of chuckled. And uh, he said, no, not tonight. And as he was doing that, I was behind him. And uh, he reached into his waistband uh, with his right hand and he pulled out a revolver. And he ran away from me, um, probably about 20 yards uh, away from me towards uh, the area of a parked car. And at uh, the same time, another officer uh, who was uh, working that afternoon arrived in the alleyway at the same time. And uh, so we were in a bit of a, a diamond um, formation in an alleyway that's maybe, maybe 30 yards wide. Um, and a car and the other officer is maybe 20 yards to my left. Um, I'm, uh, I'm closer to the river. The other officer is closer to, uh, to front street in this alleyway that leads from front street down towards the, uh, the parking lot to, uh, beside the river. And uh, Curtis is um, pointing um, uh, the firearm at the other officer and he points it at me and we're uh, 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 yelling the police challenge uh, at him uh, to, to, to get him to, to stop uh, doing what he's doing. And then I got hit in my right knee. Um, and uh, uh, immediately, uh, uh, I think I'm shot. And I think that um, it's time to stop yelling and start shooting because I've been hit. Um, and uh, so that's, uh, that's what happens. Um, and uh, 16 uh, shots fired uh, by the police, uh, and uh, Curtis was hit uh, eight times, and tragically, he, um, uh, he lost his life uh, that afternoon. 
What hit me in uh, in my knee uh, turned out to be a piece of brick from the wall uh, behind Curtis that uh, was a, a chunk that had uh, been broken off by one of the other officers' first rounds that he fired, uh, had hit, and a piece had come back and, uh, and struck me in my knee. So I wasn't hit by gunfire, um, but it didn't change my mindset that um, I thought I'd been hit in the leg. And uh, one of the things that that we learn as police officers is that our legs are a really bad place uh, to, to receive a gunshot wound because they have big structures, uh, those big femoral arteries that uh, can end your life in seconds. And they also uh, almost immediately um, impact your ability to move. And um, in, uh, in a tactical situation, um, you don't want to get hit in the legs. Um, you, can, you can take a hit other places and still be able to have your mobility. But if you've been hit uh, in the leg, um, that's, a bad, uh, that's a bad spot. So um, yeah, so it's a it's a sunny early summer evening. Um, uh, as I said, working for a friend, and um, in seconds it went from a normal arrest for a breach of uh, of a bail condition not to consume alcohol to a um, uh, to a gunfight, and um, it. Uh, over in seconds, and. Um, um, and then you start moving through the, uh, and then you start moving through the, the administrative and the procedural um, nightmare that is um, that is uh, what it's like to take uh, uh, offensive action against a person that results in serious injury or death in Ontario. That um, uh, that's the, the 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 purview of the special investigations unit, and um, and also then getting legal counsel uh, really for the first time uh, in my life. And the legal counsel that I'm getting is that uh, I'm being investigated for a homicide. Whether it's justified or not, that's the that's the advice that you get is that there are uh, uh, there are men and women who um, are uh, on their way down to uh, to investigate this incident and, um, and and it doesn't get any more serious than that. No, now, I was working in the city in that time, Brad, and I, I wasn't responding to that call, but we definitely, as other responders, uh, as, as colleagues, as part of the brother and sisterhood of us all responding, we heard and. The gut feeling that I had immediately uh, was, as anyone would imagine, it was just a sickening feeling to know that one of our trusted protectors of the community had to resort to basically their ultimate training, their ultimate level of force to protect the rest of us from these particular individuals. Um, can you describe the feeling knowing you're going to pull that trigger? Was it just total training kicking in? Or was this a matter of that brief moment where you're like the emotions? I can't imagine. I can't. I can't even pretend to to say. The, I understand. You know, they they talk about um, that the police officers shoot, shoot to stop the threat. I mean that's the that's the training. We don't um, shoot to to cause pain. Uh, we don't shoot to um, convince a person to uh, stop doing what they're doing you you use the force uh, whatever that force may be um to stop that threat from uh, uh from existing and so in, in this case um uh, it wasn't my intention to take his life it wasn't my intention to um uh, to cause uh um his death it wasn't it wasn't it, it was that i wanted him to stop pointing that gun at me and i thought that i'd been shot right. and um the um 
And even when uh, he uh, went down, he still uh, was holding onto the gun and he was still uh, pointing the gun in, in, in our direction. And um, so it was a, um, it was a very, very difficult uh, uh, situation. And, and I knew that, that he had sons. Uh, I knew who this person was. This wasn't a, this wasn't an unknown quantity um, to me. Um, and so the decision to, um, to, to pull the trigger was not one that, um, um, there wasn't a A to a B to a C to a D to a, there was, he was pointing a, a firearm at, at me and he was pointing a firearm at, at, at the, my partner who was in the alleyway that night. And I needed him to, to stop doing that before I took what I perceived to be another, to be another round. Um, and there was definitely a conscious decision of, I need to stop yelling and start shooting, um, that we are past the point of that I'm going to gain compliance by yelling at him. Um, and then in the immediate moments, um, after the shooting, um, thinking that I had been shot was okay. I need to almost immediately switch into making sure that he is no longer a threat to me, my partner or anybody else in the community. Um, and then I'm really worried uh, about me. Then I'm really worried that, that I've taken around on my knee. When I, uh, when I, uh, got my pants uh, up past my knee and I took a look and it was just a, just an abrasion. Um, it was a, um, a big dump of adrenaline knowing that I hadn't taken a, a bullet in the knee. Um, and then, um, knowing that, um, uh, my partner was okay and that, uh, he hadn't taken uh, any rounds. Um, and then it was, it was a, um, uh, definitely a, uh, a roller coaster. Um, I went to, uh, to the station, uh, initially, and then I went to BGH, um, uh, our local hospital. Um, and, uh, I think my blood pressure was about uh, 250 over 175. Um, maybe not that high, but close yeah. felt like that. Understandable. Uh, I had a, uh, a nice nurse that, uh, I'd worked with, uh, for, uh, since I'd been a policeman who, uh, very politely, but firmly told me that she was going to check me from, uh, toes to ears to make sure that I didn't have any holes that God didn't intend. And um, I appreciated her slight humor in those circumstances, but she did. Uh, she did check, and uh, and I didn't. Um, and We're all grateful, Brad. We're all grateful. Um, not just the, the citizens of the city that you serve, but all of us law-abiding, trying to do right citizens out there that need you to protect us. And we are so grateful for that. I can, I can speculate based on my own calls, the most serious calls that I've been involved in, nothing like this, that the worst part of it all is the aftermath, the coming down from it, the realization of what actually just what? transpired. Once the training is done, you're in training mode is over and the event is what it is. Um, you also then had to deal with the SIU, an independent board in the province of Ontario, correct? That will yep. investigate all police occurrences that result in injury and, and, and or death. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Serious, serious injury or death. And then their mandate has expanded a little bit in the, uh, in the last year. So there was a new SIU act. And so now they uh, investigate all firearms uh, discharges uh, by police that are not uh, in uh, training or uh, to, uh, uh, to destroy an animal or, uh, or things like that. Um, and uh, so they're involved in a little bit more stuff now than, uh, than, than they used to be. Um, but um uh, yeah, so the SAU uh, comes down. They assign uh, uh, investigators and forensic investigators, and uh, and they conduct an investigation. And the police service uh, also conducts uh, an investigation to make sure that um, uh, 
uh, all our uh, policies and procedures and everything were uh, uh, conducted properly. And I know during those investigations, during that time frame, which I, from what I've seen, there was about a one-month window from when the incident occurred till the SIU came up with their decision to their um, conclusion. And during that investigation, this would probably be one of the hardest things for me personally, is you're not allowed to speak. You're not allowed to tell your side. You're not allowed to have witnesses involved. The SIU basically shuts down everybody from talking about anything, including telling your side of the story other than to their investigators, correct? Yeah, and, and I didn't, um, and I didn't, uh, and I didn't speak to the uh, SAU and Council's uh, advice. Uh, I didn't uh, provide them at that time. Um, the uh, um, and I won't, uh, and I won't get into uh, the reasons for or, or against. Um, but um, uh, then uh, it took about. A, you're right. It was about a month. Um, the uh, in the years uh, after that, uh, it was much much longer. Uh, the SAU could sometimes take up to a year, um, and under their new piece of legislation, unless there's um, very extraordinary circumstances, it's down to uh, uh, they've got to uh, uh, issue a decision within 120 days. So, which is better than um, sometimes the year, and so. Uh, but such but a long time pending, regardless of how correct you knew you functioned, you're always going to be second guessing yourself during that moment of now outsiders critiquing you during the probably worst day of your job, worst day of your career, yeah. and everyone looking at your actions under a microscope. And that whole time, you not being able to just come out and tell everyone, look, this is what happened. This is why I did what I did. Yeah. I'm not a bad person. I'm doing my job. And here, and here it is. And that stress how, how did you cope brad how did you what did what did you do in that month yeah i don't know the um uh i grew up uh, um hopper i don't think with many um uh mechanisms to deal with with those stress i didn't have a lot of uh, events uh, leading up to that in my life that gave me those tools to uh to deal with that i didn't have uh, um a, a lot of that stress and so um I was confronted with having to get skills uh, because I didn't have those skills. So for about six months, and I'm told that that's uh, fairly normal uh, for type A first responder, street cop kind of people, that you can go for about six months, that your defense mechanisms and your personality and your jerkiness probably gets you through for your the first six months. And that was almost exactly um, what it was like uh, for me. Um, and Christmas 2004, um, I was in a pair of board shorts and uh, flip-flops handing out Christmas presents from a, a mountain equipment co-op duffel bag. Um, and I, I kind of figured out that yeah, maybe the, the wheels on my cart were a little loose and uh, could, could need uh, a little bit of help. And so I, I sat out a guy who um, uh, worked at the crisis uh, unit at the Bubble Hospital at the time. And uh, um, uh, Franco, uh, Franco's a, a very, very, very caring individual who also has an amazing backstory uh, about uh, trauma in his uh, in his life and about his brother-in-law being um, on the other end of uh, my spectrum. His brother-in-law was shot and killed uh, on the line of duty in Sudbury. So Franco has a special place and a special affinity for police officers. And um, um, Franco um, gave me tools. He gave me um, skills and uh, abilities to um, recognize that um, sometimes first responders are put in positions that other people aren't. And, um, and he was able to guide me through some of those difficult, um, for me, well, one of the biggest ones was play, stop, rewind, play, stop, rewind, 10,000 times a day, play, stop, rewind. And it wasn't an evaluation that I had 
made mis- like big mistakes. It wasn't an evaluation of could I have done this differently if I'd gone here or done this or done that sooner or done that later. None of that was a, it wasn't a question of, of those things. It was just a debilitating play, stop, rewind, play, stop, rewind, play, stop, rewind, play, stop, rewind. Um, and then some of the stress manifests itself in really, really weird ways. Um, like I would work a, an 11 hour day shift at work and um, cool as a cucumber, nothing, um, it's all good. Investigate stuff, lay charges, deal with the public. Everything is good. And no, no blips in my radar at all. And then um, uh, I'd, uh, I'd get some McNuggets on the, on the way home and I wanted barbecue sauce and the, and the 16 year old at McDonald's put in sweet and sour. And it would take me an hour and a half to, to, to get my shit under control because I got sweet and sour and not barbecue sauce. And inappropriateness, just, right? You, you yeah, just suddenly have inappropriate reactions to it. Just didn't land in the. It just didn't land in the right places, yeah, and right. Um, and that wasn't me. And that wasn't me before. And um, the um, those struggles stay with me to this day to try to make sure that um, um, uh, that I recognize that we're put in we're put in different positions than other people, and. Um, I find that the, the, that June day, 17 and a bit years ago, is a long ways in my past. My life has, has really moved on uh, since then. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think often of, of his sons, um, of Curtis's sons, and, and of that afternoon. Um, not long after the, uh, the shooting, um, uh, I had uh, an opportunity to, um, uh, to speak at the Rotary Club in Belleville about, about this event. And uh, then uh, our, uh, our deputy chief, uh, Paul Vandergraaf, had uh, invited me to come and speak at Rotary. And, um, and uh, I, I talked a lot about uh, of sons and fathers and, and uh, because that was the um, that day, uh, that day in June was the day before Father's it was the Friday before Father's Day. And I remember, um, you know, being at my mom and dad's uh, that Sunday. And the event being so fresh and so new, and 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 but spending a good amount of that day thinking about his sons, and and I still I still do because that's because you're human, Brad, and you're you're uh, you're a solid, emotional, caring individual that's doing doing your job to protect the community because that's yeah. that's who you are, and I I can I can understand I can't say I can relate there's nothing that will relate unless you've been in those shoes but i can appreciate what you've gone through and i want to come back to some coping mechanisms here shortly yeah but i want to say at this point that the siu fully cleared you rightfully so and the other officer that was involved this individual that you were familiar with that led to a lethal injury after your encounter was actually talking about the dreaded suicide by cop and he was going out in a blaze of glory and this was his intent all along and it was almost like you stood no chance brad of any other outcome anything else would have been even worse that's all i can say because both the officers involved physically were okay they had to deal with a lot of other things but i yeah. I, I just want to say that um the gun was not registered to him correct i'm reading this stuff on the post uh, reviews. Yeah. The SIU, as you say, eight bullets struck the suspect of the 16 shot by you, you and the other officer. Um, and they ultimately found um, his the suspect's own mother. I found this very touching. 
came forward with almost an understanding and a kudos to you knowing that you were put in a position that was so horrific that it led to the results that that it did and they the family to come on your side and not instantly rage against police in general has has to feel somewhat reassuring to you i'm not saying that you feel better but to know that all the pieces are starting to add up that on that day the investigating bodies the families of the victim yourself you know you did the steps that were required of you in your line of duty and we all again brad thank you so much for that um we need that um the management of the police service you're your management at the time were very complimenting, very supportive. Once the results came out, there was no issue of any sort of discipline, nor should there have been from what I read. And um, what's scary to me is I've read since uh, the occurrence in 04 that a lot of people knew this individual had this intent for a long time. And he was actually armed for quite a while and no one came forward. And yeah. No one reported to say Crime Stoppers or to the individual police department, or whatever. And, and, and that is truly scary. And again, it led to you having to have this horrible, horrible day at work that um, you, you're still talking about. And we're gracious, we're very grateful you are you are talking about it. Um, we're all curious, even us responders who have been here all those years alongside you. We still don't know these details that you're telling us today. Yeah, and it's very brave of you. Um, I myself, in my line of work, I've started to seek regular mental cleansing, if you will, mental therapy. I started to see an individual after talking with Sarah, Sarah Roche, we had an interview with her and her recommendation, what she had been through is we all need to kind of just kind of offload some of that mental turmoil before it overflows. And are are you doing any, anything ongoing or, or how do you? So no, I don't have anything ongoing uh, right now, and I think um, it's a combination of things. I've, I've left that uh, I've left that folder wide open, um, and um, the for me, some of the tools that uh, I got are still uh, are still useful. They're still sharp Good. and they still work. Um, and um, I think some people um, need that. They need that full time, and they put that as uh, they put that uh, support person or support team. Um, uh, they adopt them. They become part of uh, um, their life, and 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 they rely upon those people to assist them in filing. And and I call it filing because that's exactly what um, how I I look at these things. Trauma is a little bit like pregnancy. Um, it, it's it is or it isn't. It's on or it's off. And you, for me, with trauma, it's either you own the event or the event owns you. There's only two. There's only two ways that that happens. Um, and um, the guy who carries around the 55-gallon uh, pail on his back um, with all of the events gets tired pretty quickly. And that's a, that's a factor I think that many first responders who suffer from PTSD are, are going to – that's one of the first symptoms that, um, uh, that presents itself is they're exhausted. And they're exhausted from carrying around the weight of the dead kids. They're exhausted from carrying around the weight of the gunshot to suicides. Uh, they're, right. they're, they're, and for me um, – I think I'm blessed uh, that I don't have a tremendous memory <laughs> of, of, of these things. I just don't license have. License plates, baby, Brad. Yeah, license, license plates. plates. Yeah, license plates and suspended yeah. drivers. That's right. Yeah. Um, but um, 
the other thing is that uh, I, I package those things up. I, I put those events in a little mason jar and I store them away and I can visit them anytime that I want to visit them. Uh, they belong to me. And if I want to go back and uh, and go over those events um, or share them with uh, with coworkers to talk about, uh, you know, the work porn or, uh, or or lessons to be learned, they're there and they're available to me. And for me, that's hugely valuable because um, uh, that wall is uh, is huge, um, and uh, there's lots of room on there for me to put those jars and to put those events, and Good. I don't have to carry them with me. Um, and something. Point of this pod, this point yeah. is, is there is no answer. There is no solution that's textbook for anyone. Yeah. We all have our own mechanisms, and we need to hear how each individual, such as yourself, or how I deal with things, or other guests we've had. And it's very important that you say that your way is working for you and you're recognizing that, you know, you can go back to it if you need it. I was first on scene uh, Hopper in, uh, in uh, July of 2010 um, uh, for a little boy that was run over in a parking lot and his name was Walker and he was two years and eight months old. And uh, I did CPR uh, on little Walker for about 10 minutes and uh, Walker didn't survive his tremendous head injury. Um, and I remember sitting on the idling uh, bumper of uh, the old uh, the old ladder seven two six, I think, and I was um, cleaning the the blood from Walker from the cuticles of my of my fingernails, and I my twin, and I had to have a real, do I own this or does this own me? Um, and I had to recognize that um, that that little boy um, had an unsurvivable injury. Oh, we're, are we? Uh, we're good. Having... I think your signal's just cutting a bit, but I got you. I got okay. you. No, you're good. It's just waving a bit. Um, and um, so Walker stays with me. Walker's jar is a little bit bigger than uh, Walker's jar is a little bit bigger than some other ones because you, um, um, you you recognize that that one comes home a little bit more. There's a there's a um, um, uh, because he's so close in age to uh, to to two of my sons. Um, and, um, but you move on too. you, you recognize that you have a job to do. And, uh, I did good CPR on that, uh, on that little boy. And, um, I recognize afterwards from the, uh, uh, from what I learned from the coroner and from others that there, were, there was nothing that any of us uh, could have done. That injury could have happened at the front doors of Sunnybrook, uh, and, uh, and he wouldn't have survived. Um, he was fortunate um, to have you there at all. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. And sometimes there's just nothing yep. to do. And you, I've had multiple accidents you've been to over the years, medicals, fires. Uh, you, you definitely have a shelf full of jars. If you will. And uh, somehow, Brad, somehow you, this is the Brad we know. Hmm? This is you. We still see you out there every day. You're, you're proud. This one by the radar uh, traffic vehicle that you had there identifying the, the plate readers or how, yep. I don't know, the lingo that you had, but always proud and always serving and always noble. And very rarely do we see the baggage that's behind there. And that's just because you, you've developed these, these mechanisms that are very, very noble. And we, we thank you for that. I mean, here's you doing your thing, right? Working with the public, not everything that you do is going to be as intense or as high end as what we've talked about as uh, emotionally draining, but it's all just as important for building those foundations. And these, um, this is how I picture you. You're uh, always to, in the um, community. You know? Yeah, there's a. Oh, we lost you there. 
that that picture there. Oh, give me a sec, Brad. You'll come back in here, I think. Or I hope I hope we haven't lost you. I'm gonna click you out and click you back in. We've lost Brad on his signal. I'm gonna get Brad to leave if you can hear. Oh, we might get you there. I'm gonna get you maybe to leave the link, Brad, and come back in if you can hear me. Oh, hang on. There we go. I think you're back. How are we doing? There you are. So I'm showing some signal issues on at your end a little bit, but it's fine. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's um it's just it's technology. It's what we do. We're of the same age group and we have the same technical competencies, I'm sure, and sometimes you just got to let it roll. Now let me, you, uh, let yep. me just just uh let's just pause just for a sec and uh, yep. and I'll move and see if I can get a better uh, spot. Maybe I'm in yep. a bad I'm going to click you out when you're ready. I'm going to bring you back in. What a story, um, Brad. I've worked with this man for many years and we've shared many calls together. Um, ironically enough, Brad and I have helped each other's families in our line of work living in the town that we do. Um, I've responded to his side of things and he's actually helped out with mine. And part of it's small town. Part of it is just the fact that we are emergency workers in the same area. It doesn't matter if you're in a big town, small town. Sometimes it's inevitable that you're going to be, be meeting up. Brad's story is not unique to policing. And unfortunately, there are many that have his story. Um, but we are very lucky that he was willing to come on today to share his story. And Brad is um, someone who I'm proud to work alongside. And we, we often joke we have some dark uh, humor, as most of us responders do. But we, we definitely have a mutual respect for each other. And, uh, there he is back. Welcome. Welcome back. Just talking about us sharing calls and how we've kind of helped each other's own families over the, over the years. Oh, 100%. And uh, it's just part of what we do in the emergency world. And I have your back. You have mine. And, and there's a lot of respect for each other on that level. Um, some of our calls have been pretty gruesome and some are unique. And I don't think people even think of such things as let's, uh, for example, Brad, I remember working at the fire hall one day and I got a call to go meet you at a wrecking yard to yeah. bring the jaws of life for an accident that was long done. It was a, fat a fatal accident. And we were actually called to help you look for a wallet. It's, yeah. um, it's stuff that people don't realize that there's still some trauma involved in that. As we're, we're in the wrecking yard, we're, we're, we're trying the compound. You have us down there with the jaws, tearing the car apart methodically under your observation as the uh, investigating officer or, or, or the, whatever the title may be. But we know that we're looking for a wallet for someone that's just died in that vehicle not too, too far, too long ago. And uh, again, more trauma, but again, working alongside with each other, we make the best of it. And I think we've had a very fortunate career in this area with the, uh, in general, like any job, but we have a very good bunch in general that we work with. Well, you know, I, um, early on, um, when I started, I recognized that, um, 
uh, I'd known all along from playing team sports and 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 having a, a good close group of friends that I've had since I was a little boy that um, there's value in relationships and um, and I recognized that um, I was going to need um, friends in the fire department. I was going to need friends that were paramedics. I was going to need people um, and not just on a uh, hey how you doing today um, kind of level. And so I endeavored uh, for the first about 12 years of my career. Every Sunday that I worked, um, I came and had coffee at the fire hall. You do, yeah. And, and you're you're a legend, Brad. Everyone well, knows you as Brad, and and, and that you you support us. We kick each other's tires a bit, but uh, and that's okay. And that's okay. But those are the ones that um, those are the you learn those uh, the, you learn those people, and you learn what their wives' names are and the teams that their kids play on, and um, and then when it's um, you know, two o'clock in the morning and you've uh, uh, screamed up to a, uh, a structure fire and young, uh, young Ben standing on the front porch uh, holding a two and a half by himself trying to knock uh, the fire down. And he goes through the, uh, he goes through the deck and, and um, you know, you're dragging that large diameter hose over because Captain Keys is by himself and he's sending two guys through a second floor window on uh, vent enter search. And uh, you know that, um, this is the real deal. It doesn't, it doesn't get more dynamic. It doesn't get more serious than that. And you don't know when that day comes. That's right. And, there's sometimes there's never enough hands and knowing who's got your back. Isn't always just the person in the exact same uniform. No. And in fact, Brad, you've found more fire than I have as a fireman. You've actually come <laughs> across fires that yeah. were, uh, and initiated the calls and, and done kind of a rapid search and entry without any kind of a tire on at all. And then, um, and you've also helped my family personally and, uh, it's stuff that won't be forgotten when there's a call for help or uh, a need for a, an intervention or a lesson, or, uh, in my case with you and, and some of your family details, not necessary, some medical attention that I could give and a little yep. extra kind of, uh, pat on the back for you, knowing what you were going through and, um, kudos to you. And I, I I'm so grateful that you are one of my colleagues, a, a brother of the emergency services here. And you are truly, if we had such a thing, Brad, you would have the honorary firefighter. <laughs> title wrapped. The, uh, I, I'm a black cloud. Yeah, I know whenever you're around, There's... we're going, but I, sometimes we wonder if just cause you like to see us work every once in a while. Cause you yeah. guys have been working so much harder all the time. Now let's go to this. Let's let's uh, this is one of your latest projects. You're still involved. Yeah, still involved. Yeah, yeah so that's we, a, we uh, used this recently. You and I were on an ice water rescue. Yeah. So recently, I guess it was almost a full season ago now. Yep. But um, we had calls for a possible person through the ice on our waterfront here, and we were gearing up with our fire stuff and all of our water rescue. And all of a sudden, we hear this large mosquito in the background, and suddenly Brad's sitting there with his drone, and and Belleville Police now entered a drone to the to the to the service and yep. and given you a, another role right and it, it initially introduced um wearing my hat of uh, uh collision investigator so a tool that gives me a, a, a something that i can take a picture and then i can scale that uh, i can scale that picture and that can assist me in having just another dimension of of capturing that we call it collision reconstruction and in many ways, it's just um, looking at the, those events um, from many different ways um, and hoping that you're able to, at the end of the day, bring a, a fulsome picture of what's taken place to all the involved parties and sometimes to the court as well. 
Um, and so the drone gave us that tool, but what the drone opened up was is that there's a whole world uh, available to us um, in search and rescue and uh, and also in uh, in officer safety um, and in being able to- um, uh, Even in our world, Brad, where like world. post-fire, you know, yep. you go to a scene and you need to have a look in where you physically can't get to and, and yep. knowing we have uh, have your skills on that too, we're, we're also very appreciative of what you're bringing. Now, you and I are similar. Um, I've had various ranks in my careers and I end up boots to the ground. Yeah. The jobs I'm doing, I'm back on the road, hands on. That's just kind of the type of person I am. And you have excelled tremendously. And again, you're, you're, you've kind of come back to, to the road. No, to the road. And I wish I was on the road more. Um, and, uh, I, I've said it many times, uh, Brad, that um, I wear the street cop badge uh, with with a lot of honor, and uh, I think that there are some people who get into policing for very noble reasons, and they want to do things that uh, don't involve, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, police cars and uh, wearing a uniform and being at work at two o'clock in the morning, and that's okay, because some of the jobs that they want to do, I want nothing to do with. Um, Agreed. Those, um, and that's just not me. And um, uh, for me, um, policing um, is all about being out uh, in the community. And um, the, it's hard because some people talk about, um, I want to help people. And, and there's a lot of ways that you can help people that are, that day in and day out, to the, like our PSWs and people like that. Like they, help, they help people on a minute by minute basis. Absolutely. And uh, so that they, are, they are helpers. Those, those, the people that do those difficult jobs. Um, policing uh, for me is much more about um, being um, that person that stands between good and evil that person who is um, the, the it, when you call 911 in the middle of the night, because something has happened that I'll be the person that is going to get there. Um, historically in my career, I'm the first one to get there. Um, and um, that, um, and that I'm uh, going to affect change in your situation. Sometimes that change isn't, um, isn't going to bring your loved one back. Uh, sometimes that change doesn't change the tragic occurrence that you're in. Um, you know, we talk about, um, you know, um, ideas and, and kind of mantras and things that, that get us through. And years ago, I, I heard um, there was a um, Toronto Fire was graduating a class of recruits. And there was a, uh, a dad who was also a serving, I think he was a, um, like a deputy chief with Toronto Fire. And they said, what, what, do you, what would you tell your son as he was starting uh, down this road? What kind of advice did you give him? And the, uh, the guy said, uh, well, I told him just to remember that you didn't cause any of this. And, uh, you know, that for me is, has been a, um, uh, a big driving um, component is that you remember that, you know, in your world, the tones go off. In our world, the radio rings and, um, yeah. and we go and, um, and we do the best we can. And, um, you know, sometimes very, very difficult circumstances. And um, um, the uh, I, I live by that, Brad. What's that? I've had to live by that where yeah. certain things I can't change. Does it, yeah. it doesn't matter. I didn't cause it. I can't fix it. I will try. Yep. And you have to acknowledge that. And I think that's part of our coping, right? That's the, um, how we can process some of this stuff that we're seeing as part the, of our job. You know, the, I wish that the fire service um, was able to somehow impart uh, some of the wisdom on, onto policing. Um, because um, there's one emotion which um, really needs to change in policing, and that's anger. Um, and cops are allowed to be angry. 
I mean, it, where you, you look at the TJ Hookers and the uh, Andy Sipowitz of the world, and and it was embraced, right? It was a that's an emotion that that, that we tolerate, right? We uh, somehow that's what um, our hero cops are supposed to be is is a little bit angry, um, and that belays sometime the fact that they're really struggling with uh, with the events that they've lived through at the fire hall, um, at least from what I've seen. Um, uh, that's not really tolerated. It's if you're, if you're after that, that bad call after that, uh, you know, neonatal VSA call, um, you guys go back and uh, you sit as a group as five or six or eight. And, um, and there's an informal debriefing over, over pancakes or, or, uh, uh, whatever. Chili, Brad, chili, usually chili, sorry, yeah, chili. Yeah. And, uh, um, but there's an automatic, um, um, acceptance that uh, we just had a really abnormal event and you and you you get to experience that as a group and in policing a lot of the time um that doesn't happen right because you get back in your car and you drive around all by yourself and you brood and you stew and um, that sometimes um leads to um to trouble we're fortunate too brad that even in the paramedic side of things where where we're, we're under the sheer volume that you're under in policing um but people often want to see paramedics. They often want to see the fire department. It's just the nature of the job. So anger, I think, is also part of your just constant dealing with things that none of us can can deal with. And you're dealing with the problems that we won't deal with and we, we just refuse to. If we run into a certain problem with certain individuals, we don't deal with it. We call you. Let you deal with it. So and anger is definitely a sign of trauma, stress. Uh, not coping, as you said. And uh, I don't know how you do what you do. I'm going to say it. I've had the other two services. I'm certified in both, but the, there will not be the trifecta here, Brad. There will not be an attempt <laughs> to get into policing. Uh, I couldn't do it. And uh, kudos, kudos to you. I know I've had you uh, come on here and tell your story. And I'm super grateful, as is, as, as will everybody who's listening, to, to just wonder what it would be like to, to live a day like that at work. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't have it any other way, Hopper. And that's why you're. That's why you're. You're as recognized and as as popular and as respected as you are in what you do. And we thank you for that. And I thank you for coming on. Um, all of my guests. I'm going to kind of wind this down. We could go on forever, and I'm. Not, I, I imagine you may come back on here at some point. Hopefully, uh, I'd be privileged to. Uh, we could have a few agencies at the same time, even which would be quite interesting. That's the next goal. Um, to end it, to kind of to kind of wrap it up, I asked my three guests or my guests the same three questions the first time they're on, and it's totally totally unrelated to anything that we talk about. It's kind of a a nice uh, follow up to our discussion. Now, this podcast offload delay is meant to be a fly on the wall in our world, kind of our offload delay in the emerge department and how all the services mingle, as well as um, we talk about delaying our mental baggage. How, how we deal with that. We've kind of touched on that, but for you, if you could be a fly on the wall in any setting, anywhere other than the fire hall, Brad, um, <laughs> what, honestly though, honestly, if, if you could be any, it doesn't matter who, famous, infamous, uh, where would you want to, to have an inside view? Oh, I don't know. You? I think, uh, I think uh, 24 hours uh, sitting on uh, uh, the, uh, sitting on the wall in the uh, in the oval office would be pretty cool yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Especially think, depending on which term. You were yes. Doing. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Who comes? Who comes and who goes? I think. Yeah. Uh, I think that that would be. Uh, I think that that would be. And I think that um, you know, uh, there's lots of times that you think you know uh, people, and you because of your personality and your mechanisms, you think you have an understanding about things. Um, and a lot of the times I've been really challenged about, um, I, I've made a comment or I've, um, or I've, uh, I've said something about a person and then I've learned afterwards that I was, I was not 180, but I was 179.8 degrees wrong about that person. Yeah. And so I think, um, uh, if I could sit somewhere, I think I'd probably sit on one of my friend's walls at some really? point. Yeah. yeah. Just, just and, to see the world through. A neighbor's through, eyes. Through, through one of my through one of my friend's eyes, and yeah. I think that it would greatly benefit me because um, you um, you learn so much and you have these ideas about um, um, things, and a lot of the time, the the way that you frame things or the your anger about people or your your misgivings or whatever it might be are often really misplaced because it's that adage of you've never walked a mile in their boots. That's right. So I think that, I, I have um, to agree. I agree. I've done the same thing. A chance to be able to human. see things through one of your loved ones, one of your good pals, or uh, one of them to see things for 24 hours through their boots would be. Um, and in that way, you're seeing yourself, right? You're going to see yourself from that third, third. Because I'm right all the time. Oh, yes. We've learned that at the fire hall. <laughs> we don't challenge it at all. Um, yeah. Second question. Easy one. Well, it's a simple question anyway. You can only have one food, one food only for the rest of your life. What do you have? Oh, see, now this is this is easy for me because uh, what is it? Uh, uh, dinosaur barbecue in Syracuse, New York. Oh, you've been I, too. Yeah, I know. Yes, I have the t-shirts, and I'd I'd go every night. I'd, uh, I'd and now you don't need a COVID test. No, now I can. I can seventy-eight hours. Now I can actually go. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, introduced with. Uh, we went to Cooper's down. Some pals and I went on a road trip one weekend, and we went to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, and on our way home, uh, we spent a night in Syracuse, and we saw a uh, Syracuse uh, football game, and then we uh, uh, had a couple of pops at uh, the Dinosaur Barbecue. Oh, and, brisket, uh, ribs, doesn't matter. The, the, yeah, the platter, the, the pick three. Yeah, just the, everything. Uh, just yeah. smoke and barbecue sauce everywhere. Good. And and, and yeah. 150 people bumping yeah. into you. Like that's, that's how you know it's good. That's, right? how, that's how you know it's good. Um, okay, last question. This will be interesting as a first responder. I need to know the smelliest place you've ever been. Hmm. Is it work related? Is yeah. It personal related. Yeah. Is it work related. The same smell that I'm used to. Like so, work related. Um, it was uh, the second week in January, and I was called to a break and enter. I won't tell you where it was, mm-hmm. um, but it was up a rickety flight of stairs, and uh, uh, I remember it was or mid 2000s um and there was a girl there and she was reporting that somebody had uh, kicked in a a little panel and they'd gained entry and stolen a bunch of their christmas presents and there was a there was an odor um but it was i couldn't uh, i couldn't place it but it wasn't it wasn't a nice odor but i just couldn't i just couldn't place it and it was cold and outside and it was about 85 degrees inside this uh, little unit um and it was one of those big rear projection uh, televisions, like one of those ones that you need seven pals. And I didn't know how they would have carried it up these rickety stairs. And um, there's a stain on the on the floor in front of the uh, on the rug in front of the TV. And then there's a little basket on the floor, and it's, there's a little 
dog, a chihuahua, or a very small little dog, and it's four, five or six little pink things hanging off its belly. And the girl said that the puppy had had uh, babies on New Year's Day. And then I put two and two together and realized that what was on the floor in front of the television was, and then it was, the, and that break and enter, I think is still open because I just left. I, I oh, didn't want to vomit in the- uh, They in didn't the, bother to clean up. They can't be bothered. The big screen TV was more important. And, and you and I know it always leads. It's always, almost always a result of sheer laziness or ignorance that the worst of these types of calls come from. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mental health, all the above. Yeah. But okay, so that's a new one. Puppy related. Puppy, smells, puppy related. Cool. Yeah, we'll, it was, we'll leave it. it but uh, yeah, I can. Uh, and it, unless you've lived these things, right? The description doesn't even matter if we tried it. It's not even needed. It's just it, you need to actually experience some of the natures of, of the smells of these, the jobs and the calls we, we get involved in. But Brad, it's been a pleasure. No, it's always it's really uh, good. Every time I get to spend time with you, pal, it, uh, it, it's a joy. And uh, sometimes it, uh, it's on the side of a snowy highway and sometimes it's over a yeah. cup of coffee. And, and today it was this way. But um, Fire hall's always open. Always. You know that. You're one of us. And um well, and you know what? Before you go, so um, this past year, um, it was the second. Uh, it was the second uh, uh, little baby that I'd done CPR on in uh, in five days, and um, but I was the duty officer that day. It would happen close to the police station, and I'd uh, I'd run out to uh, I'd run out to uh, uh, try to uh, help uh, with the AED in my arms, and I couldn't go to the fire hall. They invited me to uh, to come and have coffee, and I said I can't because because I'm in charge of the station today. And uh, uh, they brought coffee to me. They came, uh, they went and got coffee and brought coffee to me. And we had coffee at the police station. That's kind of and, the way it works. Right? So That's those, how we get by. There's those are coffee. the things that you don't, um, uh, when I heard the air brakes uh, pop uh, and the guys uh, piling out with uh, with a, a take 12 um, and uh, came in and uh, they brought the coffee to me. And uh, It's not about the coffee, Brad. You know, no, I know, I know, but it's, it's an excuse for guys and even females and just colleagues to get together and make sure you're all right. So and, uh, those things go a, a long way. You've had one heck of a career so far. Long ways to go too. Uh, yeah. And on behalf of everyone, thanks for sharing your story. Oh, well, thank you. Hopper. And uh, being willing to protect the community for all these years that we have. And I look forward to catching up over coffee yes not, not fires you're finding for us yeah okay, okay i'll try not so to i uh i look forward to having you back and we'll we'll chat soon yeah i'd love to all Thanks. right mister yeah well there you go who knew um there's no words for trying to thank someone for coming on to share their story of a job which ultimately ended them ending someone else's life to protect all of us. So Brad, thank you so much for what you do. Uh, it's great to, to work alongside you. It's a pleasure. Um, hopefully everyone out there listening to this can um, just, just have that extra bit of respect for each other out there. Um, like Brad said, you don't know another person until you walked a mile in their shoes. And hard to judge and before you can do that we need to take care of ourselves 
hopefully you have some mechanisms in place. If not, uh, you can seek out, uh, hopefully you can seek out something that will help you. I need to thank some people before we go. Uh, I've got your back 911. They've jumped on board with us now. Um, they are tremendous supporters of first responder mental health, suicide prevention, suicide awareness. They do that through their foundations, through their merchandise, through their swag. Um, very popular, very trendy, very stylish group that gives right back to us responders for our own mental well-being. Uh, available for the public to buy as well as us responders. Also need to thank Dean Blundell and his network, deanblundell.com, for supporting me, bringing this network, uh, this podcast to the network and letting us do what we do. You can see this podcast on deanblundell.com or YouTube on the Offload Delay channel. And you can also listen to the audio version on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And my social media tags, Offload Delay on Instagram, Twitter. Again, the Offload Delay channel on YouTube. And to a lesser extent, Facebook, uh, not much used anymore, but it's still still there if you have to reach out. And you can also reach out to me. Uh, I have my own uh, email here. It's offloaddelay, offload.delay14 at gmail.com. If there's something you want to talk about, something you want to mention, uh, shout out, maybe a show idea, whatever it may be, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. For now, that's it. That's another pod. That was a, a tremendous podcast. Again, thank you, Brad, for your story and for everything you do. And stay safe out there. We'll be seeing you soon. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.